Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study that we're doing um, through the New Testament, really, um, but right now in the book of John, and we're working through it together one chapter at a time. Um, obviously, I, you know, in, in a one chapter sort of at a time, I can't cover everything in every chapter, so I just hit a few highlights. Uh, we could probably do a verse at a time, and then I figured, though, it would take so long we'd never get it finished. So uh, we, we shoot it a chapter at a time. And, and if you haven't been here, I told you that my calculations are that it'll take five years to go through the New Testament one chapter at a time. And we're more than a year into that. And then 15 years after that to go through the Old Testament one chapter at a time. And seriously, I felt like I, I, I said, Lord, okay, Lord, I'd like to do that at least twice. <laughs> Unless he comes back. And then that would be better. But that's sort of where we're at. So... Um, we have worked our way up to John chapter 14. And to um, set the stage a little bit, uh, last week they, they, um, the, the disciples had the Last Supper and, uh, with Jesus, and then Judas left after he betrayed him. And now we've moved to a very sort of um, intimate conversation that we're going to get into with Jesus and his disciples for the next few chapters leading up to the cross and resurrection. And so uh, he's talking to them now. The, the, the room, um, the dynamic in the room has changed. And it, it's uh, just his, his disciples now that are with him. They're for him at the process. And he's again trying to explain to them what's about to happen. And he's been telling them, as we looked in the other Gospels, we've seen this. It's not new to them, but they've never been able to grasp what he was telling them. That that he was gonna he was gonna he was gonna die that and and they've they've strongly reacted to that statement every time it's come up. Remember, the disciples' paradigm um, and and what and, and by that I mean what they were thinking is that they knew that Messiah was coming, and their thought was that when Messiah came, that he would take care of their situation, and they had believed that to mean their political situation. And that what they were looking for was a, was a, a Messiah who would return uh, in the line of David and restore the kingdom to the prominence of that time. And this, after being oppressed for a long time, it had been, you know, a thousand years plus since the, the, uh, the elevation and, and the, 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 where the Israel had been to where they had come and where they were at. And so they'd been waiting. And, and, their understanding of Messiah was that this was what was to take place. That's why they were always arguing about their positions and what would happen. And, and when, you know, at this time, will you now, are you now going to be king? And he kept telling them, it's not what I've come for this time. And, and so what they had trouble reconciling was that in the Old Testament, there's, there's sort of two streams of prophecy. One of the lamb and, and one sort of, of, of the lion, if you would. And, and he had to come this time as a lamb to pay for our sin. When he comes back, he sets everything back the way he was supposed to, the way it was always supposed to be. And everything gets made right. But, but this dynamic was hard for the disciples because they, they knew, they had accepted him as Messiah, they believed that he was the one that was sent. And in their paradigm, though, he was going to set up shop then. And every time he said he wasn't, they couldn't deal with it because it, it was too conflicting for them. But Jesus was now taking them through the process because... He was preparing them for what was going to happen. And, and he teaches them things that, that are important for all of us as his disciples to grasp and understand. And there's a lot of neat stuff that happens uh, in the 14th chapter. And, and uh, 
we'll, we'll uh, touch on a few points together today. So let's first read it. Uh, it's uh, 31 verses long. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want. We're going to look at John 14. It's in the notes. You can look there. Um, there's Bibles in the pew. You can grab one of those if you'd like. Uh, they're really not pews. The chairs, whatever you want to call those things you're sitting in. And uh, I'll read. Or you can just listen as I read. John chapter 14, verse 1 and following. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me would do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you. And will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens. So that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, 
But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, lots of things happening in John 14. Remember when we finished up last week as we ended John 13, he was telling his guys where I'm going, you can't follow. And there was a strong reaction because they'd followed him for the last three years. And they went everywhere he went. And all of a sudden he's saying, I'm going somewhere and you can't go. And, and so they, they begin to freak out. Even Peter to the point of saying, I'll go. Even if I die, I'm going with you wherever you go. And, and we, we know that, that Jesus tells Peter, you're not going to be able to back that up right now. Um, and, and we'll see what happens with that. But he begins in John chapter 14, Jesus does, and he, he begins to talk about stuff that we all have to really understand and grab as his disciples. And, and the, the main concept that he begins to church in the, in, teach in those first few verses of John 14 is trust. It's trust. See, we have to trust God. We, we, we can't make it without... Um, developing a trust in who he is and what he's doing and the promises that he's given us in our lives. And, and so he was going to prepare a place for them. And during his absence, we would have to trust that he was doing exactly what he said and that he'd be back for us. And if there's trust involved, what, he's, what I believe he's going to say in the next few verses, disciples, is is that, that we don't know, have to know the exact location of where he is, like the address of where he is, but it's enough to know that he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. That, that, that's, that's where we can always trust. Uh, and, and that's why that's such a critical verse for us to understand. And, and I believe he's telling his disciples, listen, don't be afraid. Um, don't, be, don't be troubled of heart. Because all of us in this world will face some difficulties. Um, it's a fallen world. It's a broken planet. It's, it, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And, and it will be set right when Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, things happen. And yet, no matter what's happening, what we have to know is that we can trust in God. Even in the most difficult of situations. Because ultimately we know that... that that he's the way, the truth, and the life. That life is found in God, in Christ. And, and so, um, we never want to be overcome with doubt. See, because it can happen. Um, in the midst of some of the hardest things in life, those doubts try and creep in and get us. And we have to get focused again on our trust. That we trust God. And, and that, that we have to trust him. That, that doubt is those, those troubled hearts. And so um, this, this idea of trust, though, and, and they're bringing it up, and it comes up. And, you know, listen, this weekend, because he, he went to prepare a place for them, I'm really praying on, on what to t- teach this weekend, and because um, we're talking about responding to the invitation. And uh, if, you, if you come on Sundays, we talked about being disciples, ambassadors, and members last, last week. And, and I just feel like we're, we're supposed to talk this week about what it means to be the bride, uh, and he's the bridegroom, and how he um, proposed, which happens, and how it all wraps into communion, and how in the tradition, the Jewish traditions, this concept of him going to prepare a place for us 
would have been, the disciples would have immediately understood what he was talking about and would be trying to make sense of it. And that, that uh, we're going to talk about that on Sunday. We're going to tie it all in. So, so I'm looking forward to that. But I think if you can make it, you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. Because I think it's, it's very interesting. But we have this process of him teaching his disciples. They have to trust him. And then Philip asks in, in verses 8 through 14, Philip makes a request that, that a lot of people make. And, and he, says, he says, you know, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. See, that's, that's the deal. And that's where a lot of people see if they could, they, they, this is their thing. But if I could just see it, then I could go with it. And, and we, we sometimes miss that that's where faith comes in. And, and what we miss, though, is that, that we've, we've seen God at work. And, and yet it's like we always want a little more. That, that, that's the thing, because it's a step of faith that has to happen to get into this deal. I was reading today in... Um, I was reading in the book of Judges, and uh, I was reading about Gideon. So I was reading chapters 5 through 8. And uh, if you haven't read Judges for a while, it's a, it's a pretty funny book. Um, it's really not, but, but there's a song in Judges, and I, I'm sure I've read it before, but I've never, I was just, so, it, never mind. Um, and the, I'll tell you what it is. In Judges 4, there's this, the, the, the Israelites are going after this king, I think it's Deborah who's the judge at that time, and they... They track this king down, and he hides out in this tent of this, this family that he knows. And this woman's there, and he says, look, you need to hide me. The Israelites are after me. And she goes, okay, get in the bed and get under the covers, and you can hide there. And then, when he falls asleep, she drives a tent peg through his head and fastens his head to the ground. Seriously. And her name is Jael. And, and I read that in chapter 4, and I was like, that's ridiculous. Sorry, but it's like, that's crazy. And I, hadn't, I don't ever remember reading it. In chapter 5, they write a song about it. <laughs> and the song's going on. And I'm reading chapter 5, and I know it's a song. So when it's a song, I put it to music in my head. And, I'm, and so I got this sing song going on in my head. And all of a sudden, I'm like, that's more like, like a hip-hop song or a rap or something. Because this talks about this lady driving this. Anyway. Why I got into the book of Judges anyway was Gideon comes along in chapter 6. And... God tells Gideon, here's what I need you to do. The angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon. And, and he, uh, Gideon puts some meat and stuff there. And the angel of the Lord touches it and it flames off. You'd think that would be enough. But it's not. And he tells Gideon, you're the guy. We're going to set Israel free again. Go you know, gather up an army. And, and, and so he does. He gathers about 30,000. And God says, too many. Because if you take them with this army, you'll think it was you, not me. And, he, and Gideon says, uh, tells, God tells Gideon, send everybody away that's afraid. And, 22,000 leave, he's got 10,000 left. Because, <laughs> you know, if you gave him that option, a lot of them are like, see you. And, and uh, now, now go down to the water, he tells them, and watch them, and we have them all get a drink. And he says, uh, everybody that laps like a dog, you get to keep. 300 of them. That's his army. And they're going after some huge numbers of people. 120,000 they route. With their, uh, anyway, all this happens, and these things are happening. You think that would be good for Gideon. And then all of a sudden, before it's supposed to go, he says, listen, God. I just could you do me a favor? I'm going to put this fleece out, uh, this wool overnight, and and could you make it wet, and all the ground around it dry when I wake up, and then I'll know it's you. And sure enough, God does it. And Gideon sees that. You think that would be okay? And Gideon says, God, you know what? <laughs> could you do that again, but just the opposite tonight? 
And then I'm going to know. And so he does it again. But I, I only brought that story up is because it's like we always want a little more. We always, if we could just, you know, when we're trying to make that decision, if I could just see a little more. And, and the point that Jesus is going to make to Philip is that when he says, um, anyone that's seen me has seen the Father, is that because in the life of Jesus, in the things that Jesus did, in the words of Jesus, in the character of Jesus, the Father has expressed himself. The Father has expressed himself to the world in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, the world will continue to be able to see me because I'm going to express myself in you. And that, that God has expressed himself in so many ways. I mean, literally, creation in and of itself is a witness to God if people want to see it. But it's much easier to write it off to... Well, now it's all explained away by science. Is it? And, you, and you, I look at the science, and there's, such, there's more faith had by the scientific community to believe in what they believe, I believe, than it takes the faith to believe that we have a God who created it all. Because how it works, how it's put together, how it happens, the immensity of it. How did it just sort of happen randomly? I was looking at a, a, some pictures today about the... You know, the earth in comparison to the other planets and to the sun, and we're really tiny compared to the sun. And then they found these other things, and the sun compared to some of these things in the sky is like nothing. And, and these go on forever, and we can't even chart them. Um, and and um, they, they took, uh, if you've ever seen pictures of the Hubble telescope, it just opens up, and they go, this is, it's all out there, and we, we can't even tell you what it is. It goes beyond what. And, it, and yet it works. And the, you, you think about the planets and the. The spinning, I mean, how, how do you write that stuff off? How do, how do, you know, gravity. Do you ever think just about gravity? That it's spinning just right, that we ain't floating around. Um, and that it, uh, how, you know, how things work. Your eyeballs, uh, even though they begin to fade, how the eye works, it takes in an image, flips it upside down, comes into the brain and does something else with it, and you can see and make sense. I mean, it's, it's wild. How the body regenerates. You get, a, you get something and it grows back. I mean, how do you write that stuff off? And yet people do all the time because they, well, if I could just see, and I hear, if I could just see, and, and my thing is, you've seen. You've seen God express himself. But now it takes faith. You have to have some faith in order to trust him. Does faith in God mean that everything works then? Well, no, we live in a fallen world. Does everything work out for believers? Of course not. Ultimately it does, just not temporarily. Neat things happen, though, all the time. But so does that, because we live in a, we're in a mix. But we have the promise of what lies ahead, because we trust him. He's gone to make a place for us, and he's coming back. He's coming back to get us. That's what I'm going to talk about Sunday. You know when he's coming back to get us? You don't know. Nobody knows. Only the Father knows. But the Father's waiting, and Sunday I'll tell you why. It's like building you up for something. And it's really, you'll be, you'll be disappointed all that, but nonetheless... It's never that good. Um, what we have to understand is that, that, that God doesn't need to be physically present to impact our world. And, and neither does Jesus. See, he's telling them, and, and I won't be physically present either, but just as God has impacted it, he will continue to impact the world through me and then through you, through me. That's all that talk about I and you and you and me and how that's happening together. And he goes on and he says something um, uh, that in that understanding of the Father being expressed, 
in our lives that we can ask. We're to ask and pray whatever in his name and he will do it. So so we're not only to trust, uh, which is that first little part there. It's part of the foundation of believers. And but we're to pray expecting him to answer. That's that's what faith is about. We pray expecting God to answer. And it says there, whatever. However, in this context, because some people like to tell, take that and say, oh, it just says pray whatever in his name and he's going to do it. Um, you can try that and let me know how it works for you. And some people go, no, it's, and it's, it's in the context of what he's saying and the idea is that it brings glory to God. And it's as we tune into his will, because he talks about there being obedient to his teaching, as you start doing what the Lord wants you to do and you begin to pray out of that, then God begins to do it to his glory. And, and so it's making sure that we're tuned in with the will of God, not trying to get him to tune in with our will, which is what I think a lot of people do with that prayer, and which I can honestly tell you I've tried myself numerous times. Have you ever not submitted those things to God, saying, God, this would be the perfect way to handle this situation? Do you know God like never listens to that? Never for me, anyway. God, I haven't figured out. Here's what you need to do. <laughs> so... This, and, and let me just do a quick thought on that, because praying in Jesus' name um, means praying in accordance with his will. Sometimes, and, and sometimes we just sort of tack it on to the end of a prayer, like that's what that means. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But that's, if, if you were to pray and forget to tack that on, is the prayer no good? Well, of course not, because you're, as his disciple, you're already standing and praying in his name. But the idea is... That, that what that means is you pray in accordance with his will. That's what the whole thing is. In accordance to everything that he's taught and what he's doing. That's how we pray and then things happen. So is it, is it bad to say in Jesus' name at the end of prayer? No, of course not. I think it's a good reminder if you know what that's what he's doing. But, but often I think we just put it on as a tag along. Okay, I, and now because I'm a Christian and I prayed, I've got to say in Jesus' name at the end. Um, I don't think it hurts, but I don't think it doesn't count if you don't. All right? That's just me. But uh, it's more about being in his will. As you pray. And then in the last verses in 15 through 31, uh, he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit and he'll continue to talk about uh, him and that the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come and he will lead us and guide us into truth. The Holy Spirit's part of the Trinity. And, and so he, he's attributed personhood at that point. By that, I mean the Holy Spirit is not an it. All right. He's, he's a part of the Trinity. And so. Um, and so just as we wouldn't call Jesus an it or God the Father an it, the Holy Spirit's not an it, although sometimes that's what, how we sort of, and, and we need to understand he's a part of the Trinity, we have, so he has a personhood in that um, context. And so um, he comes, and he's here to help lead us now and guide us into truth so that we can live obedient lives. Because that becomes a part of the process. See, the, the whole thing is we have to trust in God. We have to, to begin to pray and, and rest in faith in God. And then we need to live obedient lives as the Holy Spirit helps us. Not like the Pharisees tried to live with a bunch of rules and regulations, but in, a, in, in listening to and being led by the Holy Spirit. In, in being convicted by the Spirit when we're doing things that we shouldn't, with the realization that we shouldn't do that, we need to change. And then allowing Him to empower us to make changes, which is what He does. But when we mess up, which happens, we go back, forgiveness, God, forgive me. Holy Spirit, come and help me to do the next right thing. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. 
My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells in us. And, and ultimately, he says that this life of trust and faith and prayer and obedience leads to peace. That's where we find peace. And, and you, when you've experienced it, you know that it comes from, from those things. It's when you kind of settle into that place. God, I've got to trust you. Because it's easy to get all stirred up in this world, isn't it? Doesn't it just, I mean, it is for me. I, like I've told you, day can be going along great. One phone call can totally unsettle the day. But that's where we have to trust. We have to have faith in, in the fact that God answers prayers. And we, and we ask God, what is it that you would have us do, Lord? And that's where we want to find life. And we, we move him in that process. And then lives of obedience, where we're trying to do the next right thing. None of us perfect at it, but it's our heart's desire to do the next right thing. As we move into those things, then the peace of God comes. It passes understanding. It helps us in the midst of every situation that we find. Let not your hearts be troubled, but trust in me. And that's what he calls us to in John 14. Amen? Amen. If you have prayer requests here, you can begin to pass them up to me. If you're watching my video, thank you for watching. And uh, everybody in Williston, hi, how are you? And uh, we look forward to seeing you because uh, you guys, don't, but the, like the whole group from Williston is coming down for Easter. So it'll be a kick. And if you haven't met them, we'll introduce you to them. But God bless you guys. Thanks for watching. And uh, they'll pray for you there. And we will pray for the group here.